The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Well, good morning and welcome back to another episode of our daily devotional live stream and Source of Truth podcast. I want to thank you again for joining us and just uh, brag on you for taking time a few minutes out of your day to make the Word of God a priority and to listen and to learn and actually to practically do much of what we've talked about the last few days as we've talked about the importance of understanding the source of wisdom being God and His Word, uh, the need to apply it, and, the tr- and, and frankly coming and letting it happen. So I congratulate you and thank you uh, for being here today and joining us as we get into Proverbs chapter 3. We'll be there in just a moment. I don't want to say happy Friday. Uh, we've come, you've done it. You've come to the end of another week. And the weekend is upon us uh, just here in a few hours. And so I hope you have a great weekend. Enjoy some rest and relaxation. It looks like we're going to have a gorgeous weekend. And uh, now that I've said that, it'll probably rain all weekend. Sorry about that. Anyway, uh, we're glad you at the end of the week. And as we finish this week, I want to encourage you, remind you Sunday of what our schedule looks like. Uh, we will just have one in-person service Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. Uh, there's still plenty of room for social distancing. We even had enough room Sunday to put more people in the pews, so we have even more room uh, for more people to come and uh, still be able to social distance. At first when we did this, we asked people to sign up for services so we could make sure we had all kinds of extra room. And, and uh, so that's, uh, that's not necessary. While we're still taking temperature and people come in and asking you to wear a mask to the pew, at least to your seat, then at the seat you don't have to. Uh, but we do have plenty of room for social distancing and we still had room to add several people to that service at 10 o'clock and still have room for social distance where you can be safe and comfortable. So we invite you, uh, whether this is your church and you are ready to come back, or whether you're just watching and you're a guest and you want to come worship, you're all invited. Everyone's invited to join us Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. For those that watch us online, uh, again, we will be streaming at 10 o'clock. So we invite you to join us on TV, on your TV or your computer or phone or wherever you watch. Jump online and, wa- and join us again at 10. Remember this Sunday... We are adding our, we're coming back and adding our Sunday evening service back to our rotation. So our Sunday evening service starts at 6 o'clock. So we invite you, if you're comfortable, to join us as we have a great night of praise and worship. Uh, we mentioned we're adding just a couple little things, nothing serious, but we're going to uh, add up more music uh, to the service. A lot of times we just kind of quickly got through a couple songs that we're going to have a little more extended time of praise and worship. And what I mean by that is there's going to be time for testimonies, uh, some little extra music. Uh, you'll be familiar. Uh, pretty much all the songs, same music, just a little more time on it. Uh, focus, a little bit of attention behind it. Let it be a great teaching time. And, and as we continue down these Sunday nights, even open up the uh, the, the, the auditorium, people want to give testimonies even there. Uh, there'll still be a message uh, that's going to be given towards the end of it. So a little more of a casual setting, even in dress and things. And so uh, I encourage if you want to do that, join us. And uh, we look forward to really what we're trying to create is a family atmosphere. We come and we can engage and talk and we still have great worship and, and preaching and all those things. Those things will never go away. And uh, so I hope you join us. Sunday night at 6 o'clock, whether you come and join us live here on the property or whether you uh, join us online, we invite you to join us this Sunday for both of those services. At this moment, we're going to be in the book of Proverbs, chapter number 3, and most of our time today will be spent dealing with probably 
two of not, if not the most popular, probably some of those popular verses in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. What I want to do is I'm going to read verse 1 to 6, because um, I think there's a little bit of intro before we can get and understand. And you know, verse 5 talks about trusting God with all of our heart. And uh, let me introduce with saying this. Today, trusting is one of the hardest things we will do. And I'll be honest with you, there's a lot of good reason behind that. So how do we get beyond, if, if it's trust issues or just hurt from the past or whatever term you want to use, and place our trust in God with experiences that have happened? And so we're going to talk about why that becomes complicated and how to evaluate and change from that. Let's begin reading in chapter 3, verse 1. Uh, Solomon, again speaking to his son, said this, My son, forget not my law. But let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them upon thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. So through the beginning of the first two chapters of the Proverbs, God had, or, excuse me, Solomon reiterates again to the son, you need to listen to this. Look what happens when you don't take the wisdom. Now, the importance of seeking wisdom is silver and, and the good, what, what happens when you do allow wisdom and how it protects you and how it guides you. And, and so today he's saying, listen, of all the things I'm going to tell you in this, in this book, all these things I'm going to write in this letter, I want you to understand the importance of keeping these. Don't just, I understand, Dad, whatever, leave me alone. Make these part of your life. And he said, you make them part of your life. They're going to add length to your days, give you a long life. They're going to give you peace. Um, he goes, you'll find favor and good understanding with God and man. So he, he reiterates one more time the importance of taking the wisdom, but this situation, making it his own. Not just saying, oh, my dad told me this, making it his own. And let me tell you, if you're a young person, whether a teenager, um, you know, in your early 20s, and you're still kind of making your way, can I encourage you? Um, it's good to know maybe what your parents thought. It's good to know maybe what your pastor thinks. It's important to understand what they teach and why they teach it. But at some point, you are going to have to make a decision of what you will do with everything you've been given. So I encourage you, don't just sit back and say, well, one day I'll do it now. Make a decision now. Now, don't just sit back and say, okay, I'm not going to do anything with it. Here's what I encourage you to do. I've mentioned this many times. Go to the Word of God. If I, I almost use the word cynically. I don't mean that. I mean, don't go to the Word of God and say, well, my pastor said this for all my life. I'm going to follow it. Study it out. Was he right? Why did he say this? What does the Bible say? You go to the Word of God for yourself based upon what you've heard. Study it. And now decide, Lord, what am I going to do? I believe with all my heart that if you go to the Word of God with an open heart, yeah, you know you've been taught. You're not going cynical saying, I'm just going to prove my past wrong. You go to the Word of God with what you've been taught and find out what does God say about this. You will come back to a position, a biblical position. It doesn't always mean we'll look identical because no Christian always looks identical to someone else. But it means with an open heart, you will find the answers you are looking for to help you make a decision. Then you'll have to decide what you'll do with it. And, I, and Solomon encourages the son, I encourage the younger generation, don't ignore this. Make a decision. What are you going to do with all that you know? How you, don't just say down the road. There is not down the road. Today is a day. Whether you're 17 or 27, today's the day. Make a decision. What are you going to do with all that you've been given? Then let's go to verse 5. Now Solomon tells his son, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Two of the most popular verses in Scripture, two probably the most quoted verses in Scripture, two of the most encouraging verses in Scripture, but in many occasions, two of the most complicated verses in Scripture to do. And uh, so let's start with why the first word is trust. And I'm going to say, 
Why do we struggle with it? Because invariably, inevitably, whether you are a teenager or whether you are a senior citizen, you have someone in your life who has broken your trust. And I think, unfortunately, in some occasions, maybe it's somebody involved in a level of religion. Maybe it's been a priest or a preacher or somebody in some level of spiritual authority over you in the religious realm who has broken your trust. And maybe it's a small thing. Maybe it's a very personal thing. And so for you, you say, I don't trust religion. I don't trust any of this at all. So it makes this entire process complicated because those who had a right to receive your trust took advantage of it. And it could have been for a million reasons. We hear preachers stealing money from the church and even more worse things. And, and, and so there's a lot of things that could be. Can I encourage you? The only thing I would remind you is don't allow the sin of one, even as a carnal spiritual leader, to keep you away from a God who loves you. That's just Satan giving you reason to stay away. Uh, unfortunately, um, all men are sinners. And uh, don't get me wrong, if they sin, they deserve every punishment that comes their way. The, to whom much is given, much is required. In these positions of leadership, there's a great responsibility. And hopefully what it is to keep that trust, to, to follow God and to earn that trust. And I believe earning is the important part there. But I encourage you to, the struggle we run into in this passage is because a friend, a, a family member, a religious leader, mentor, something, maybe is broken trust. And maybe just something even simpler, someone we're dating at some point, broken trust. Uh, what happens is we struggle with the idea of trust at all because I'm never going to go through that again. And so in a second, as we talk about trusting in God, we have to understand that trust in itself is complicated. And by the way, that's not wrong. It's not wrong to say trust is complicated. The only way we're going to overcome it and grow is to acknowledge it is a battle. To trust is not easy. And the moment we're convinced we got someone to trust, bam, those are the ones that betrayal, and it just it makes trusting even more complicated. I will be honest with you, my point of view, um, there's not, you know, you will you will find people in life, if you're willing to, that will earn your trust. But I wish I could say that's going to be everybody you're going to be around. It's just because by human nature we are we are sinful, uh, therefore mistake-driven. And some people are going to do it accidentally. Some may do it purposefully. Don't allow that to totally decide who you're going to be. One, you know, don't be a victim. But I, I mean more than that, more than just not being a victim. Don't allow. God is going to explain to us a little bit as we work through the great spiritual strength that comes from learning to trust in God. Don't allow something that's happened in life. Don't allow Satan to convince you that you can no longer trust because you're missing one of the core aspects of a strong, healthy Christian journey. And that is learning to put your trust in God. Because he says trust, but then he says trust in the Lord. So there's the, the idea of trust, there's the person of trust. You know, we, let, me, let me tell you something. And, and I understand this next phrase is going to seem somewhat theologically generic, and I'll explain my point. We say trust in the Lord, okay, we may have parents have failed you, spouses that have failed you, dating, part, you know, dating people have failed you, religious people have failed you, bosses that have failed you, friends that have failed you. We all may be able to point at somebody and say, we put our trust in them and they failed me. So what do we do is we automatically say, I'm not even going to trust God. Here's what I believe some of the reason we do that. And it's something that Satan tells us. Satan tells us, if God loved you and God could be trusted, he would not have let these other people fail you. And so Satan immediately takes the failure of sinful man and wants us to believe that it should be blamed on God. Now, it should not be blamed on God. Uh, God is not responsible for my decisions. God is not responsible for the decisions of people who hurt you. As a matter of fact, more than likely, God worked hard to not make that happen. That person went outside of God's leading and direction to do what he'd done. 
And so because of that, they're outside of God's will. So we, we can't blame God because God has given us a free will. So when I mess up and I, well, you know, purposefully or just do whatever, make a mistake and I hurt somebody, that is not God messing up. That is me choosing to make a decision. All of us will be there. We'll make a decision that we wish we could take back. That's human nature. It's part of the sin nature, and it is a part of my free will. So we struggle because so many other people maybe have hurt us, or maybe even only one person, we say, why did God allow it? So we listen to the lies of Satan and we say we can't trust God. Let me tell you the truth. God is ever changing. God is never changing. He's always the same. He's the same God that when he created the earth back with Adam and Eve, is the same God today. He's not affected by our circumstances. He's not affected by the current culture. Uh, he is omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient. He knows everything. He stands outside of time and none of this surprises him. He is always loving. He is a gracious. He is your friend. He is your savior. He comes alongside as your shepherd. And yes, sometimes the one who has to correct us and chastise us truthfully. But in all of that, he is the one that wants to be your director, encourager, and have a relationship with you. But in all of that, he will never fail you. Satan will try to convince you he has, but he will never fail you. In the Garden of Eden, Satan tried to convince Eve that God was holding out because there was one tree that they could not eat of. What Satan did not point out was that, yes, there was a tree of knowledge of good and evil, but he didn't talk about that they had the most beautiful piece of land that God has ever created, the Garden of Eden. And everything in that garden, let me tell you, there wasn't just three trees in that garden. I guarantee you they had the best of everything offered to them, and I still don't believe the tree of knowledge of good and evil was the best out there, because God doesn't withhold the best. It just was one thing they couldn't have. Satan pointed on the one thing he did. Satan didn't point out all the other good things that God had given freely, to Adam and Eve. And that's what Satan does. He doesn't let us see all what God has done for us. He wants us to focus on one or two small things. And, and, and they're usually perverted in a way where we believe it, but it ultimately is a lie. Be careful not to let Satan push you into that. God loves you. He will never fail you. And you can trust him. Trust in the Lord. Then he says, with all your heart, all who you are, your, your belief, which produces your actions is based upon your perspective and a lot of it is on God. When you can learn to really trust in God, when you can learn to trust in God, your perspective changes with all of who you are. You begin to develop a level of strength that helps you through the trials, through the battles, and it, and it makes you stronger in the Lord. Because trust in the Lord with all your heart. Probably, to me, one of the harder parts, lean not into your own understanding. When I trust in God with all of my being and all my heart, I no longer look at my view of things. I don't look back and say, Lord, I trust you, but these circumstances. I trust you, but you know, I don't know about this. Frankly, we don't ever say, Lord, I trust you, but we don't do that. We don't come to God and then give this thing. I understand what you're doing, but I, this here, this here, this here. Because if I'm coming with my own opinion, trying to make trust work because of it, I don't trust. Trusting with all my heart is literally giving all of who I am to God, knowing he is good, he's faithful, he will never fail me. And I trust him. Therefore, my own understanding doesn't work because the Bible says that his ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are greater than my thoughts. Because of that, my thinking will never make sense because I'm a human, finite, and relatively selfish being. So therefore, I need a God who can step outside and see all of it and knows what's best for me. 
my understanding will only often bring confusion. Then he says in verse 6, in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Here's how I look at this. When I learn to trust and then I learn to put my trust in God with all of who I am and then therefore learn not to allow my own fears and understandings and frustrations taint that. So when I've learned to do that and I no longer allow my my joy and my decisions to be based upon my circumstances and my opinion of things, I trust in God with all who I am. Then the next step, it, it, this is, this is kind of like the practical application of verse 5, and that's 6. In all my ways, in all my directions, in all my decisions, in all my actions, I acknowledge God. I allow Him to be part of my life. And when I do that, He will direct my path. Because I trust Him in everything I do. I acknowledge God as my leader. I acknowledge God as my friend. And I go to Him and say, Lord, You are sovereign. You are in control. I don't get it. It doesn't make sense. It's not easy. But it's Yours. When I do that, he will direct my path. But I cannot truly have direction from God until I've learned to trust him. It won't happen. So as long as I struggle trusting God with all who I am, I will struggle following God in the way he wants me to go. So I must learn, one, as we said the first couple of verses, to embrace the wisdom of God. And when I've embraced the wisdom of God and chosen to follow it, then I place my trust in him completely. Once I do that, in my own understanding, I, you know, what doesn't make sense in my mind roams and all the things that could happen, but I trust in God, not in my own understanding. And when I go through my daily life and make my decisions, I will acknowledge God's presence, I will acknowledge his sovereignty, and I will acknowledge his place in my life as God. When I can do that, then he will guide me and direct me. It won't always be the way I would go. It might always not make sense to me, but when it's done, as Job said, when I am tried, I shall come forth as gold. When doing this, I will go stronger, I will grow more mature, and I will see God's hand move in ways that blow my mind because that's what God does. God desires to amaze me with his greatness and glorify himself through it. But if I struggle trusting, I will struggle with that. First of all, as we're finishing here, let me tell you, the first thing we have to trust is we have to trust in God for our salvation. I'm not talking religion. I'm not talking I go to church once in a while. I'm saying, has Jesus ever become your Savior? You will never learn to allow him to guide you if he's not your Savior. And the first thing you need to do is place your trust in him as your Savior. If you've not done that, man, you need to do that today. And you see, I don't know what to do, preacher. Let me encourage you. Our website is bensalembaptist.org. Our, our church phone number is on there. Call us. Give me a chance to just take a few minutes. It won't take long from the Word of God and explain to you not what I believe, what the church believes, what does the Bible say about eternity and is the best decision you will ever make. Uh, seek out you know, another church in your area. I, I encourage you, don't uh, find a way to, to, to understand that and make a decision. Then I also encourage you then to begin to grow in Christ, which means be in the Word of God, accept His wisdom, and learn to trust Him. Uh, it will change who you are, and it's not always an easy journey, but when you do that, you will see God work in a way that it's, it's what you've always wanted, don't even realize it, and it'll change your entire Christian life, and it'll help you in days like this to find His strength and His love, His grace, and His sovereignty in our lives. Thanks again for the opportunity to be part of your day, uh, whether you're watching live or listening or watching this later. Again, thank you uh, for making God part of your day, giving me a chance to just encourage, hopefully, from God's Word. And uh, we look forward to seeing you again starting next week. We hope you have a great weekend. If you're local, we hope to see you in church or online this weekend. And I uh, hope you have a great rest of the weekend. God bless.